All right, Father, I love you. Thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for being good to us and uh, just loving us, Lord, and uh, giving us purpose in life. Uh, there's times that we uh, just feel like we're walking aimlessly and just going through the motions. And uh, Lord, we don't have to feel that way. We uh, we know that in your Word, you've called us, uh, you've set us apart, and you've uh, just given us uh, our marching orders. And so, Lord, uh, there's peace in that. There's safety in that. There's comfort in that. And so, Lord, I pray that we would, um, just as a church and as a class, um, even those who aren't here for several different reasons that we would just buy into it and uh, be so sold out and bought into your mission that uh, that we just couldn't do anything else Lord that's what sometimes we get away from you know what the past point class really is but I mean that's where we are we, we are past the point of no return for Christ we're past the point of uh, living in different lives anymore of just uh, meandering through but we're, we're just sold out for you so Lord I pray that you would just uh, prick our hearts as we get back into first Corinthians today that you would uh, just teach us something that maybe we didn't know, and if it was something we knew, that we would uh, just take it and apply it in a new way. And uh, Lord, just pray for uh, just my direction as we wrap up the book First Corinthians, and uh, just trying to nail down where we're going to go next and, and what that's going to look like. And so I pray for the fellowship we have coming up this coming weekend. A lot of things happening. Uh, Lord, we still just uh, pray for Justin Carroll as he's uh, just figuring out life without a spouse, and that you would just continue to allow us to minister to him as we can. Lord, we pray for uh, just Andrew this morning as she's uh, bereaved at the passing of her grandmother. I pray that you would um, just use this as a celebration of uh, her life and that you would just get the glory for that. And uh, just the situation with Phil's boss, a lot of things going on, the um, situation with uh, the the, the guy that uh, Mitch works with. And Lord, we know that you can uh, heal all things and do all things in any relationship. So I pray that you would just use us as lights in a dark world as we just navigate these things that people are around us and things that are going on. We praise you for uh, just the new babies being born and new life and all the things that are happening. And we just uh, we thank you for counting us worthy to be a part of what you're doing. So speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. First Corinthians chapter uh, 14 is where we're at. We're going to wrap up chapter 14 today. At least that's the plan. It's really going to take me time to get used to this echo. I have to like put some carpet on the walls to eat up the sound or something. Is it's just it's just weird. I'll get used to it. It's just odd. Okay, so First uh, Corinthians, we've been working our way through the book. I don't really have time to review the whole thing, but um, just real quick, if you remember, as we went through it, the first six chapters of First Corinthians were a rebuke from Paul to the church in Corinth. Right? They were. He was just like, "What in the world are you doing?" He called out a lot of specific sin, a lot of different things. Right? Go back. You can catch all the recordings on that or whatever you want. But there was a lot of stuff happening, and Paul was like, "Hey, what is going on?" And then chapter seven through nine was kind of like a response. They had obviously written him a letter. Uh, of some sort asking him some questions. So he takes six chapters to be like, before I even answer your questions, there's some things I need to address. And then the next few chapters, seven through nine, he gives them a response to some questions they had. They had some questions about marriage and things. And he even said in, in response to what you would ask, these are some things. And so, uh, and then chapter 10, he's, it's kind of like a standalone chapter. It's kind of like a reminder of, hey, don't forget God's designed for this whole thing, right? And he uses the nation of Israel as a example. And then the last few chapters of 1 Corinthians, it really is a, it's a perfect complement to the beginning of the book as a rebuke. And it's, it's all this, you know, like what's going on. But he ends the book not with, now figure it out. Uh, he ends the book with, 
Now, here's some things to think about. Here's some things to 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 really nail in on. And so chapters 11 through 16, uh, I kind of called those the refining chapters. He gets into some deeper doctrine, some things that people uh, really don't always have a great hold on, talking about spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues. And uh, chapter uh, 15 next week, as we not next week, but next time we get together, we'll start. Uh, it's a it's like the chapter of full mention on the resurrection and how that whole thing works and where your body and your soul and your spirit go and all those things. So he really refines some doctrine in the last portion of the book. And so we've been going through that section and in chapter 12, he uh, really nailed down on some spiritual gift things. They were really the... Uh, not the spiritual gifts that we find in, in Romans that we actually see uh, in the, the church today, but these were more sign gifts, things like that. But anyway, uh, he went through that in chapter 12. In chapter 13, uh, he was just like, now, I know everybody's super excited about spiritual gifts because that's what happens. And everybody's like, oh, I wonder which gift I have and all this, that, and the other. And he's like, before you get too crazy on your spiritual gift, why don't you remember that the greatest gift you have is the Holy Spirit. And the only way that you're ever going to meet anybody where they're at is through love, right? Or he says charity, right? And charity never fails. Love never fails. And he's like, so slow your roll with your spiritual gift talk because it, it is a real thing, but sometimes we get a little too carried away with it. And he's like, uh, don't forget that Love is how we're going to meet people. That's how we're going to get anywhere with the gospel. And then he gets into chapter uh, 14. And chapter 14, he's like, okay, we're going to talk about this speaking in tongues thing. And we've already spent two full weeks uh, going through the first portion of the book, right? And so we're going to get to the last portion of the book, and so or last portion of the chapter. And so the first uh, portion of the chapter, he was like, okay, so yes, speaking in tongues is a thing, right? But it's not really a thing in the church. It was already transitioning out at that point, right? Because remember, when this was written, it was a thing. The book of Acts, it happened all the time. But it was a sign gift, and it was transitioning out at that point. Even at the beginning of the book, he was like, uh, let me let me find, because, you know, people totally missed this. But um, anyway, he's basically like, I would rather... You guys preach the word, prophesy, right? Preach the word, then this getting a special word from God. That, that's where we really need to be. And then the second portion of, of the chapter, he even says uh, that I would rather you... Uh, he says something. I just really like the way it says. i got to find it. Um, in verse 19, Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding, uh, with my voice, uh, than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He's like, in case you're getting too caught up with this thing, uh, five words of something that you can understand and grab a hold of are better than 10,000 words of, I just don't understand what you're saying. right? And so he, he goes through that whole thing. Go back and listen to all that. i got to get moving because I've only got 30 minutes now. And so today we get into the last section of this. And so he's, he's went through like, yes, uh, tongues are a thing, but we're kind of working our way out of it. And we would be so much better if we edified one another with the preaching of the word and we just uh, understood, right, uh, the, the way we communicate with each other, it was a way that we could understand. And so today we're going to talk about, uh, he's got four clarifications on teaching um, as he wraps this whole book up, right? And so today, if you're a title kind of person, I've got it titled Strengthen the Structure, right? Strengthen the Structure. And he's, so I'm, I'm going to go through four clarifications on teaching in the church. If you want to keep it simple, you can leave it there. But four clarifications on teaching in the church to help keep strengthen the structure, right? And so uh, that's kind of what he goes through. There's four different ways that this thing breaks down. And so uh, I'm not much of a illustration kind of guy, but you guys know that um, I build things. That's what I do for a living. And so 
uh, most of you, I'm sure all of you at some point, have watched some sort of, uh, you know, HGTV, right? The, the fix-up shows, all the different things. And so all the rage, at least in the last several years, has been these, uh, these trusses, these exposed wood trusses and all this thing, right? And we do a ton of them. That's just what people want right now. I'm actually going to start a job and there's going to be an exposed wood trust because that's what everybody wants. But anyway, so I was thinking through, like, how do I make this relate? And so the theory behind a truss as opposed to, like, what holds your roof up in your house? Generally, it's not a truss. Generally, it is what they call rafters, right? It is just two boards from either end of the house that go up into a peak, and then they have what they call a ceiling joist that runs across the bottom, right? And it has to be supported by different walls in the middle of the house, right? And that's how that whole thing works. And so by design, the way that it leans on each other, and it's got a way, but it's not structural, meaning if you took the walls out from under it, it would fall, right? Now, the design of a truss is it has strength in itself, right? Meaning you have one board here and one board here. I would draw it, but there's no markers. Darn. Um, And then in that, generally there's a flat bottom as well, but they put interior wood in it as well, and they stamp it together with these metal uh, like clips, right? And so a lot of times they look like a W or whatever. And the theory behind a truss is the fact that it doesn't matter what you do to it, it, it supports itself because of the way it's designed. Um, this board is pushing on this board at the top, and it can't go anywhere because they're tied at the bottom, and they can't go anywhere because of the webbing in the middle keeps the bottom from falling, and they're tied to the top as well, so the top's trying to fall, but the bottom's trying to pull up, and it's all designed to, as long as it is attached correctly at either end, it supports itself. So, like, if we're doing the another HGTV thing, right, uh, HGTV, uh, the open concept thing, right, everybody wants, oh, I want my huge and open. Okay, to do that, you have to somehow truss it because it has to have a way to be wide open, okay? And so the theory behind all of that is that works great as long as every, what we call them, truss plate, every metal piece where they come together does its job. Right. As long as every piece in this does its job. But if one of those isn't stamped correctly, if one of those isn't tied together correctly, there's pressure pushing here, down, up, sideways. Well, then it starts to pull apart. And now all of a sudden it has no strength at all. Okay, so I say all that to say God's structure in the Bible is exactly the same way. Right. The structure in the local church is exactly the same way. It is strong enough to withhold any amount of weight, any amount of uh, outside pressure, uh, any of those kinds of things, until one of the components fails. The components would be us in the church, right? The church is only as strong as its members. Now, you might say, well, God's strong enough to do anything. He is, but the church is nothing without people, right? Does that make sense? Without members, you I mean, I can come in here and teach on Sunday morning. Brian can come in and preach on Sunday morning. If there's nobody to hear it, eventually it's going to be like, maybe we ought to consider doing something a little differently, right? And so it's only as strong as everyone doing their part. And so I say all that to say, we're going to talk about some structure stuff today. And there's actually one passage in here in particular that sometimes people get their feathers all ruffled up about. And uh, we'll get to it. But again, God's structure is perfect, as long as everybody does their part perfectly, right? Meaning, I don't expect all of you to come in here on Sunday morning and have something to teach, right? Because you'd be like, I wasn't ready for that. But I'm guessing that when y'all roll in here on Sunday morning, you're expecting me to at least have something, right? Like, that's my job on Sunday morning. Hey, I need to at least have something to say, 
right? And so now you might have your job next. I'm going to go take care of the kids. I'm going to go work in the sound booth. I'm going to, and because everybody does their part, Sunday morning happens pretty flawlessly most of the time, right? It's the same way. As long as you find your place in the structure, whether it's the family structure, the church structure, whatever it is, God's structure is perfect, right? And so if you find your place in that structure, man, there's peace in it, there's comfort in it, and you can just like, okay, this is where I'm at, I'm going to go all out until God tells me to do something different, right? Because if you know what God has told you to do right now, you don't have to wonder about what I'm going to do tomorrow. Because what I'm going to do tomorrow is the same thing he told me to do today unless he gives me different instructions. Because it's not like, hey, do this today and then I'll give you new instructions tomorrow. No, the Word of God is like, hey, do this. And it means do this until I tell you something different, right? Serve here until I tell you somewhere different. Send you somewhere different. So anyway, I say all that to say there's strength in the structure. So let's pick back up in First uh, Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20. And let's kind of break this down. He says, how is it then, brethren? So he's talking to those in the church. When you come together. Okay, so what are they coming together for? What do we come together for? To, for basically church, for worship, to get together. Like, so you have to understand. When you come together, how is it that every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation? Let all things be done unto edifying. I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. I'm sorry. 26. I'll back up. It's hard to follow along. That's my bad. That's not what 26 No. That's how I roll, man. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at most three, and that by course let one interpret. Verse 28. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. That's as far as I want to go right now. So the first clarification on teaching in the church so that we can keep this strength. Now, don't take this wrong when I say this. Hear me out. Don't leave. But we are to leave the teaching to the teachers. We are to leave the teaching to the teachers. He's like, why is it that when you all come together in the church, and he's talking about everybody, everybody wants their turn to speak, right? Okay, well, I heard what that guy said. Now, here's what I think of that passage. And, well, that's, I don't really think that's what it says. And so here's what I think it says. And what do you think it means? And all this, that, and the other. And um, Now, understand this very quickly. Um, the first thing he says is when you come together, right? That means in the church. That means in the church, inside the four walls of the church, um, there are only certain people who are, now don't take this wrong, qualified or called to teach, right? Now, there's different levels of that. We might, some people might be called to teach the kids. Some people might be called to teach uh, adults. Some people might be called to even preach like main service. There's difference in that. So that's in the church though. Now, don't forget, everyone should be teaching someone. Everybody in here needs to be teaching someone. Remember my um, my uh, example from way back when, and I think I heard this from somebody else, but I, I took it and stole it. And I don't remember who it was, so at this point I can just call it my own. But uh, uh, we all should have a... 
Yeah. We all should have what we consider a Paul in our life. Somebody that we're learning from all the time. Somebody that, you know, I'm, I just know I can go to this person for counsel. They can, uh, they would always be giving something to me, right? We should always have a Paul in our life. We should also always have a Timothy in our life. Somebody who we are always downloading. Hey, man, this is really cool. God showed this to me. Maybe it's somebody you're discipling. Maybe you're not discipling yet. Maybe it's just somebody that's like, hey, I just, this is really cool. Like, this is what God showed me. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Whatever it is. You always have a Paul in your life. You always have a Timothy in your life. But, uh, Something to go along with that is you should always have what I call a Barnabas in your life, right? Somebody that is just like you can link arms with. They're kind of your peer in ministry, per se. Maybe they came up through the quote-unquote ranks with you and, you know, somebody that you know you can bounce things off of. Hey, I read this. It's kind of like a tough passage. How How is this? What, what do you think of this? Things like that. And so somebody that you're ministering with actively. So you should always have those type of people in your life. But anyway, you should always have a Timothy. Everybody should be teaching Somebody. It doesn't matter what it is. But it doesn't mean that everybody should be teaching somebody when you come together, meaning inside the church, right? As far as inside the four walls of the church, there are certain people who are called to do it, right? And, and there is, there's an actual calling process that goes into that. And so don't take it wrong when I say we should leave the teaching to the teachers, but we should all be teaching somebody. But HBF has uh, ordained some to teach in the church, right? God has ordained certain people to teach. And I, I say that I'm not even ordained, right? I'm not, I'm not quote unquote, I know they, they call me a, a pastor here, but I don't, I mean, whatever, you can say whatever you want. I, I'm not ordained, so I don't really, uh, take that, not that I don't take it seriously, but like, I feel like there's, there's a different level of when I, if somebody, if Brian was like, hey, it's time for you to be ordained, there's a different level, right? Uh, now, I, I think we've fulfilled the role. Uh, we minister to people. We do all the things, you know. We 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 evaluate ourselves by, you know, the calling of a bishop or a deacon, or a deacon, all those things. But anyway, God has ordained some to teach in the church, right? So understand that He's like, why is it that when you come together, everybody's got a psalm or a doctrine or hey, this is something new. Hey, this is something or or He says a tongue or uh, a revelation, an interpretation. And he's like, here's the deal: when you come together. Uh, he says, let two or maybe three people speak. Uh, that's enough. We don't need to hear from everybody on Sunday morning. We, it, there's times that I like to ask questions and get some feedback, but uh, we don't come in here and I don't say, hey, this is what I think this passage says. Now, Phil, what do you think this passage says? Now, what do you think it says? Well, what do you think it says? Because in doing that, there's danger of really confusing people and there being a lot of cloudiness and whatnot. So uh, the only other thing I really want to say about this because I want to keep moving is be careful because in today's age, uh, this is what happens. We have what a lot of churches like to call, quote unquote, small groups. And so you have to be careful with the small group thing. And here's why I say that. Because a lot of small groups have morphed into that exact thing that I was just saying. Let's get together. Everybody read a passage. And then tell me what you think of it. Tell me what you think of it. Tell me what you think of it. And if, especially if there's not a clear-cut leader uh, it can get out of hand really quickly. And honestly, you can have people who are uh, unlearned in doctrine and they're more confused than they would have been by not coming at all. And so it is good to have fellowship, to have uh, what Brian calls ministry groups. We minister, we serve together, all those things. But kind of be careful with the quote-unquote small group thing uh, because it can it can confuse more people than it helps, right? And so I just say all that to say it happens in a lot of churches. So... Leave the teaching to the teachers as far as, you know, when we're talking about God's structure, he's called everybody to do certain things. And so leave that to that. Verse 29, he goes on to say, 
29, right? Uh, let the prophet speak, two or three, and let the other judge. Meaning the other, meaning everybody else in the church. Now, when it says judge, it means hear out what they're saying, right? Have you ever thought about that? Like on Sunday morning, when Brian's in here preaching, um, that is what you are supposed to be doing. You're not just supposed to be in there like half in, half out, zoned in. I wonder what I'm having for lunch. I got this, I got that. Like, not that you're judging what he's saying, but don't ever just take what somebody says as a teacher as, as gospel. Now, I've told you guys this before. There are not many people that I would follow uh, and just do anything. But Brian Hedges is one of those people. Uh, he's proved himself faithful enough in my life that like I've said this before. If Brian jumped off a bridge, there's not many people I'd follow. But if he did, I'd probably jump too because he must know something that I don't. Right? And there's there's just trust in the fact that like I he's built that rapport. Right? But it says that um, it says that uh, let two or three. Uh, Verse 29, uh, by let the prophets, meaning the, the preachers, speak two or three and let the other judge. Meaning, hear out what they're saying, compare it to your life, and if something doesn't sound right, compare Scripture with Scripture on your own. Right? There's been times that I have said something, usually a lot of times the words get twisted up or it's not exactly how I meant it to come across, but then when somebody was like, hey, did you know you said this? And I'm like, I said, what? Like, it's really happened. I'm like, that's definitely not what I meant to say. I'm glad you said something. Don't just always take what the quote-unquote teacher or preacher is saying as gospel. Now, if there's like eight red flags in one message, it might be like, okay, we really need to evaluate some things. But that's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to judge, right? Not only what he's saying, but how does your life measure up to what he's saying? How does it... That's what we're doing. He says, so you let... Uh, by the prophet, speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. Meaning, you don't have to like, oh God, show me this. You need to hear it right now. right? Just hold your peace. For you may all prophesy one by one. Meaning, we all have our time. That all may learn and they all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophet are subject uh, uh, to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. He's not the author of confusion. We don't need everybody to have their turn every Sunday morning to say what they need to say. There are some churches that are like that. You know, they have like open forum. Hey, what are you guys? And that's just like, I don't understand how you can get anything. Well, I'm saying. Here's your second clarification as we go through this. God will use His Spirit through His pulpit and His church on His day. You want to know how God's going to speak? God will speak through His Spirit, through His pulpit. Now, this is a rinky-dink little stand. I like it a lot. The we the pulpit is a is is an office, right? Uh, it is something that somebody's called to, right? If Brian ever asked me to preach, it's happened a couple times. Like, there's a an entire new level of soberness that goes into uh, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, but like the preparation, everything that goes into it, not that I don't put preparation into uh, Passpoint, but it's a completely different level of quote-unquote holiness, right? And so God will speak through His Spirit, through His pulpit, His pulpit in His church on His day. God will get His Word where it needs to go on time, right? If you allow God's structure to work the way that God's structure is called to work, designed to work, the Word of God will get where it needs to go on time. Now, if you miss it, that's on you. If you didn't hear it, that's on you. If you don't like it or don't like the way that it kind of feels with your feelings or whatever else, I'm, I'm sorry. His Word 
will get there because His Spirit put it there. No. People ask sometimes, I've, I've had to, I've got to, not had to, I've got to preach before, but there's like an immense amount of preparation that goes into it. Like, it is, it's crazy. And then to know that, like, Brian does this week in and week out, where there's, there's men that are called to preach week in and week out, and it's like, man, how in the world does that happen? It is only by the Spirit of God. Like, I know you're like, well, no, I'm telling you, yes, there is a little bit of learning that goes into how, this is how you make an outline, and this is how you can kind of tie things together. I promise, having something to say week in and week out, that's God's spirit. Uh, absolutely. You, know, you want to know how you can take uh, a passage. I used to wonder, like, I don't understand. Like, the Bible's only so long. What are you going to preach about? You're going to run out of things eventually. And then you guys are like, that doesn't really happen with you. It's, we've been in First Corinthians for, like, gosh, who knows how long now. It's, it's God's spirit. Like, that's where it comes from. God will use his spirit through his pulpit, right? So... HBF has a lot of teachers and preachers, right? We, Brian says there are seven pastors here, right? And most of us, there's only three of them, two of them really that are officially on staff, Brian and Randy. I think Steve is partially on staff because he's a facilities pastor, but I don't know how all that completely works, but the rest of us are what they call uh, lay pastors. We just basically, I work a full-time job. I do this because I like it, right? Because I'm called to, this is what... But anyway, HBF has a lot of teachers and preachers. We all don't teach over one another. Right? If I get up and have the opportunity to preach and I say something that's like, well, that doesn't quite make completely sense. Jeff True's not going to be like, stand up and say, stop. What do you mean by that? Right? We all, you know, because there's time to expound. There's time to understand. We don't teach over each other. HPF has a lot of people. We all don't speak on the same day. It just doesn't work that way. Now we have different smaller classes, but not everybody comes. The point is, that's what Paul's trying to say here is, why does it like? Why does everybody feel like they need their turn to talk? Why does everybody need their turn to have a a, a tongue or a, a something to say or this that or the other? God will use His Spirit through who He has put in the pulpit that day to get the word where it needs to go on time. Right now, you might think, well, it didn't really apply to me today. There's times that happens. I'm sorry to say, there's times that you're going to come to church and you're going to sit through service and you're going to be like. Everything that he said, I've kind of heard. And if that's you, you're really smart because Brian's one of the smartest guys I know and there's still things that I'm just like, I don't know where in the world that came from, right? Brian's not one that just like redoes the same things. But anyway, there's going to be times that you're coming and you might be like, I didn't really get anything. That wasn't really directed at me, right? Uh, it was graduation Sunday. They were giving a charge to the kids or, you know, it was this or that. Or that. Now, I don't want to offend somebody, but the church is here for you. But the church is not here to cater to you. Understand that, right? We're here to minister to a lot of people. And uh, you, honestly, should be getting your word from God, from the word of God, on a daily, right? Now, yes, God uses teachers and preachers to rather reaffirm or confirm or things that you already are reading. But, man, if the only word that you're getting is from me on Sunday morning or Brian on Sunday morning... Yeah, there's going to be times that you're going to go through a couple-week spell where you don't feel like you got anything because you weren't in the Word yourself and all you were getting was, well, that was directed towards somebody else a little bit. And that happens, right? That's, that's part of what God uses the local church for. And that's also why we're called to be in the Word daily, all the time, right? And so that's the point. God will use His Spirit through His pulpit, right? Make sure you understand that. Yes, sir. This makes me think of Acts 17.11 for the people of Berea. 
Because it says that uh, they received it with all readiness of mind and yeah. searched the scriptures daily. They were in it, so. right? I love the the word the, the Bereans because man, they were in the word. They were searching it. They knew what it said. Right? That's that's another thing about having the opportunity to teach because. Around here, we like to give opportunities for people to teach, to fill in, to give a devotion, this side or the other. Um, and you better be in the Word because those around, there's people around here that'll call you out, <laughs> right? There's people around here that'll be like, they'll hear you, what you have to say, but they'll be like, are you sure that where, where, where did you get that, right? And so, uh, if you have the opportunity to teach, take it seriously because people around here, um, you know, we're a small church out in the middle of a cow pasture, but uh, these people know their Bible. Um, more than some big churches around uh, that just hear it on Sunday mornings. They know what it says, and you should too. So make sure you take that seriously. i got to keep moving. Um, my third thing he says, verse 34 and 35. I'm going to take a second here because sometimes if you take this the wrong way or you read this the wrong way, it gets really uh, confusing. So he says, the next thing he says, now remember, first rule of Bible study is what? Context. The first rule of any Bible study is context. So if you take just these two verses and somebody comes to me and says, this is what it says, that's why I don't like the Bible. Well, I wouldn't like the Bible either if that was the only thing in the chapter. But there's context of what's before and after it and where it's at. So remember context, verse 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches. What? (laughs) For it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law, verse 35, if they also will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for the women to speak in the church. Okay, if you take just those two verses by themselves, it can be very offensive, right? Especially in the culture we live in today. I'm, I'm saying I wouldn't have got the verses read and people would be, man, calling for my neck. Understand the context, okay? Here's the next clarification on teaching in the church. We need to understand who our target is and isn't when we teach. We need to understand who our target is and isn't when we teach. Remember what I said in the first point? Everybody's called to teach somebody. Okay? Everybody's called to teach somebody. So, Paul took a couple verses here, and he's given you the opportunity to understand who and when it is that women are supposed to teach. Well, he says right here, in the church, there's not a place for a female teacher. Right? Now, in the sense of teaching adults. We have a lot of female teachers that teach kids, right? Uh, we have a lot of married couples. We have a lot of single ladies. All those things. That's all perfect, okay? Understand the context. So, we know per, pretty plainly who it is that women are not supposed to teach in the church. So, before we get offended, who is it that women are called to teach? Flip over to, keep your finger here. I usually don't do a lot of flipping because I've usually got a lot to say and we don't have a ton of time. But flip over to Titus chapter 2. Because this is why we're called to compare Scripture with Scripture. Because when you have the full counsel of the Word of God, you can put it all together and understand that it all makes perfect sense. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. If you've only got like four of the pieces and it's a 20-piece puzzle, you're going to have a really hard time. But when they all piece their way together, it's like, wow, this made a pretty cool picture. right? Remember, if you do your part in the structure, it won't fail. Titus chapter 2. I'm not trying to read the whole chapter, but let's start at the beginning. He says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, meaning they are supposed to have all of those things as well. But he's talking to the aged women now, okay? That they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Okay, but who am I supposed to teach? Well, verse 4 tells you. 
that they may teach the young women to what? To do these things, to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. There's a study that we have here at HBF that we call it the woman-to-woman study. And it is perfect because it is where an aged, not always old, because my wife is not very old, and I know she's taught this before, uh, but that the aged woman is able to teach the quote-unquote younger woman, someone who doesn't know exactly what the Bible says about these things. That's what that study in particular is about, is these things right here. How to be uh, discreet, chaste, keep her at home, good, obedient, all, all of those things, sober, right? So, in Corinthians it says... Don't let women speak in the church. Okay, well, that word speak is talking about teaching. The whole context of the chapter is talking about teaching. So far, the context has been about why does everyone have something they want to teach in the church? Well, now he says that they can't speak. And ladies are like, well, I can't say a word. I guess I'll just zip my mouth. That's not what it means. It says in context that they are not supposed to teach other adults in the church. But who are you supposed to teach? It says right here, teach the younger women. Okay? Again, let's compare some more scripture. That way we don't offend anybody else. Flip back a few pages. First Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3. I'm sorry. No, I lied. First Timothy chapter 3. I was looking at my Bible wrong. So, First Timothy chapter 3. This is where we know, another place that we know, that the teachers in the church are meant to be men. These are the qualifications of a bishop or a deacon. Right? First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Okay. So a man. Okay, well, what about a woman? Okay, well, here's the first thing you would have to be if you wanted to be a bishop in the church, ladies. Uh, you would have to be blameless and the husband of one wife. So uh, good luck with that, comparing Scripture with Scripture and all of that, right? Again, the culture we live in might make that seem completely normal. But anyway, uh, so to be a bishop, it is it's a man's calling, Okay. Now, we could spend the rest of the time, plus next week, plus next week, talking about why this is the way that it is. But I'm just giving you some references here to see that's what it is. Same thing with the deacon. Verse 8, First Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. The deacons must be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy, filthy lucre. Um, go on to verse 11. Even so, must their wives be grave. Again, you're going to have a hard time, ladies, having a wife if you're living by the Word of God. Okay, so understand who your target is and who your target isn't. Okay, ladies, it says in Titus that you are to teach, right? The younger woman, right? There are people that you need to teach, and that's who it is in the Bible. Uh, Again, another thing that's kind of quote-unquote offensive in this passage, it says that if they're going to learn anything in the church, that they need to ask their husbands at home. Okay, so here's what that means. First off, men, it means you better know your freaking Bible, because if my wife comes to me and she's like, hey, uh, the Bible says I'm supposed to come to you with things like this and like you you don't know, what, what does this mean? I need to know, right? And Ephesians chapter 5, we're supposed to wash our water or wash our wives with the water of the word. That's, that's our job, right? You better know your number one job is making sure that you are the spiritual leader of the home, okay? But also what that means is ladies, now I'm not talking to anybody in particular, somebody maybe is listening to this, but... Uh, This happens. This can be extremely offensive to your husband. If you have a question and you're like, there's no way my husband knows this, right? There's no way that my husband would ever know this. And so what do they do? They run to the teacher or the pastor and they're like, hey, what does this say? And um, so here's the first thing I will tell you ladies, um, because this is something I've learned over time. If you're married, I'm going to say, what's your husband think? 
Not because I don't want to answer you, but because the Bible has a structure, right? And I don't like to jump rungs on the ladder. There's a structure for a reason. Now, you may go to your husband, and he might be like, babe, I have absolutely no idea. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find out for you. I'm going to get in the Word, and if I can't find it from the Word, I'm going to ask somebody, and I'm going to get back to you, right? But the point is, we don't want the structure getting all crazy-like, right? It's kind of like, it's similar to this. And a lot of you have had this happen because a lot of you have had kids. One kid comes to you and they're little, hey, can I have uh, marshmallows for dinner? Um, no, that's probably not a very good idea, right? Oh, okay, are you sure? Yeah, no, you can't. Okay, so I go in the other room, and then what's the, what's the kid do? They go to mom, hey, mom, can I have marshmallows for dinner? Okay, that's basically the same thing. You're just jumping around the structure. Our kids knew, because we trained them, that like an answer from one parent was the same across the board. Because then what would happen would mom would be like, yeah, absolutely, you could have marshmallows for dinner. And I would come back in and be like, what is going on here? And then there's this dual authority, and it's a bad deal. That's why if we stick to the structure in place, there's peace in it, right? Husbands, you better know your word, because your wife's going to want to know, right? And it is their job to come and ask you, right? Now, let me also say this, because sometimes people get this all crazy. Remember, this whole passage, context-wise, is in the church, correct? We're talking about teaching in the church, in the church, in the church. Paige compliments me when I teach a thousand percent differently on Sunday mornings here as she does sitting at our kitchen table doing discipleship or counseling with somebody, right? It's completely different because we are not in the church. When we're discipling somebody, uh, I say 90% of the words probably, right, of the talking. But she does have a place as my wife uh, and as a calling, especially if we're discipling like a couple, she wouldn't be there if it was just me and another guy. But as a couple, where she would maybe clarify, expound on what I had just said, the point that I just made, things like that. Because two are better than one, right? Now, on Sunday mornings, unless I say something that is just like, what verse are you in? She doesn't say a word, right? Because there's a different level of quote-unquote holiness that goes into what God has given me to say on Sunday mornings, and she's not just like, yeah, but if you add this to it, she wouldn't do that, right? Understand the context. She's not going to take the role of a teacher in the church, right? But also understand that, yes, absolutely, there is a place at our kitchen table when we're sitting next to somebody doing discipleship, if we're you know, doing marriage counseling with somebody, this, that, or the other. Um, she's got plenty to say, and she adds to what I say a lot. So... Don't take offense to two verses when you take them out of context, okay? Understand who your target is and who your target is. And then the last thing, and I don't really have time to expound on it, but uh, let's just uh, wrap it up. He says uh, in verse 36, What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it uh, unto you only? If any man think of himself to be a prophet, meaning a teacher, or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Meaning... If you don't know, you don't know. That's okay for a certain amount of time. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done uh, decently and in order. Okay, so the last, uh, the last thing, the last uh, uh, clarification on teaching is uh, the word will not nor should not change depending on the teacher. The word of God will not change, nor should it change depending on the teacher. Right? That's what he's saying. Like, oh, why is it if you think you've got the Word of God, he's like, then you understand that what I'm saying is doctrine. That's what he says. He's like, if you are clear, or basically saying, hey, i got a Word of God, well, then you would know that the things that I'm telling you in this letter, 
They are sound doctrine, right? The Word of God doesn't change. What does it say in the Bible? It says uh, uh, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. We change. Now, there are a lot of different styles of teaching. I teach a lot different than Jeff Trude teaches. That's awesome. I love Jeff Trude. He's the best teacher that I know, right? I teach different than, than uh, Steve Fleshman or Bob Hall or any of those things. That's why we have different classes, right? It's not just demographically, but there's different teachers. We all have different styles of the way that we teach the Bible. Well, the Word of God doesn't change. The Word of God doesn't change at all. The Word is the same. Now, we teach it a little differently, but the Word is the same. Some guys like to give you four verse references for every point that they make. I personally don't love that because my brain gets so scatterbrained that I've already lost my train of thought. Plus, I like to try to more so make sure that everything that we teach through has a way to apply today, right? Tie into today. Now, yes, I understand what the doctrine says. Here is what the doctrine says. How does that apply to your life today? Because if you ever leave here on a Sunday morning and you're like, well, that's really cool, right? That's what the Bible says, but it has nothing to do with my life. How often are you going to want to come back, right? The goal, my, my goal is to make sure that I can get the Word of God to apply to you today, right? How does it apply to you? How does uh, speaking in tongues apply to you? Well, you're like, we don't, we, don't even, we don't do that around here. So I guess we'll skip that chapter. No, I don't think we will, right? Because there is a way that it can take it and apply it to you today. Now, the only other thing I want to point out, because this does apply to us, in verse 38, or verse 37, it says, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, basically, if you think you know something, let you, you better acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Now, some people take that verse and they think, well, I don't know, so it's fine. Well, I don't know what the Bible says about that, so I'm going to keep doing this. It probably says I shouldn't do that, but I haven't read it anywhere where I can't do that. So, right? Ignorance is different than stupidity, right? Ignorance is just simply not knowing. You know, we were at dinner last night. Again, don't have time for this. Uh, new waiter, obviously. And my wife was like, tell me about this salad, some special salad that they had. And he's like, it's got this, 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 and this on it. And he's talking about all the fruit that's on it. And she's like, is, is so it's, it's on a bed of uh, greens. And he's like, uh, or she, she said, is it on romaine? And he's like, yeah, it's on lettuce, right? And it's just kind of like, okay, you just don't know what you don't know. That's fine. You know, I'm not mad at you. But eventually you probably ought to learn as, you know, if that's your your field to, to know those things. Anyway, it's not a big deal. There are things about the Word of God that you're ignorant of. When I got saved, there were things that I just didn't know. And like, you know, I didn't know that, hey, it was probably not the best thing for me to go to the bar on Saturday night till way too late and then come to church on Sunday morning. I didn't know. Like, I, I was just like, God changed my life. Praise the Lord. It didn't take me long to realize it, though. And then the ignorance had to turn into, okay, am I going to obey or disobey? Now, I say all that to say, too often we claim our ignorance as like a cloak of a liberty. And that's not the case. You can only be ignorant of something so long around here. There's a lot of opportunity for you to know the Word of God. right? Now, there are some people that are like, yeah, I know, D2. I've been through D1. I'm, I'm completely comfortable with that. I know D2 tells me, you know, about the kingdoms and about dispensations, and it probably would help me really with my Bible study and this, that, and the other, but I really don't want to do that because I don't have time for it or I don't want to make time for it. And so, and you could do that about HBI or anything, the next, the next whatever. Let me just say, we all know that uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And so a lot of people take that verse and they're like, well, if I'm not giving it, then it's not required of me. You can only be around someone somewhere for so long where opportunity after opportunity after opportunity is there in front of you, and you're like, no, I don't want to do that, before uh, it's not required of you. 
You had every opportunity to take it. It was your choice not to. Now I understand the first year maybe you had a special something going on at work and you couldn't do it. Or the next year you had this. Now, you've been here for 10 years and you've known every year that that probably would be good for me to do, to, to take that next step of you know knowing what the Bible says. Um, at some point, you you are required. You are um, you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and you will be like, yeah, I probably should have known that. I am going to be held accountable for that, even though I didn't go through the class because it was available. I knew it was there. I knew what it was going to teach me. I just didn't want to. Right? You can only be ignorant for so long. Make sure you understand that. I don't think I'm speaking to anybody in here, but that just happens, and it's kind of like one of the things that I'm like. You knew it was here. You knew it was available, and you just chose not to. That's like knowing that your marriage is on the rocks, and somebody was to be like, "Hey, I can see that something's not right here. Uh, here's a book that would maybe help you not be such an idiot as a husband, right, or such a whatever as a wife, right? Just read this book. Maybe it'll help." And you're like, "I just don't really want to, right? Because if I do that, then it's going to want me to change my life, and I don't really want to do that." Okay, well, guess what? Now it's on you, right? Same type of deal. Things can only be available to you for so long before it's like now you're now you are accountable for it, right? So make sure you understand that ignorance is okay for a short amount of time. Okay, let's pray. Sorry for going over. I usually try my best not to. Let's let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that's in it. And Lord, I thank you for tough passages and passages that uh, seem offensive to people because uh, when we take time to slow down and just really put it in context of what you're saying, it, it makes your structure that much stronger. It makes what you're doing here uh, at HBF and through the Word of God uh, that much uh, more powerful. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would uh, just take these things, apply it to us. Um, Lord, we're all not called to be teachers yet, uh, but we all might be at some point. And so we all need to be teaching somebody, uh, so we better find who that is in our life and make sure we're getting... Uh, the word of God to him. And I pray that we are in the word enough to have something to give, Lord. So I pray that you would just uh, use us this week. It sounds like just uh, hearing from the beginning of class, we all have a lot of opportunities this week just to minister uh, your love and grace to people. So I pray that you would use us as uh, just your hand in people's lives that are probably lost. And so, uh, God, I pray that you would send us out as lights in a dark world, preach through Pastor Brian as he preaches to us this morning, and that we would just uh, come back changed. I pray that um, we'd uh, just have a good fellowship this coming Saturday. It's been a while since we were able to get together, so we'd have a good time as a as a class just getting some work done and uh, spending some time together. So thank you. Praise uh, all in Christ's name. Amen.